You're listening to the Home Matters Podcast. I'm Randy Brock alongside Ron and Lynn Whiteman. This podcast is brought to you by, produced by, written by, directed by Whiteman Brock Real Estate Advisors. We are here to provide you a real estate experience like no other to where we come alongside you and coach you through the process, whether it's buying or selling, to make it fun, exhilarating, while at the same time helping you through any difficult time that pops up. Thank you for listening. We have a special guest today, Kim Norton, Mayor of Rochester, Minnesota. Thanks for being here today. My pleasure. Hi, Ron. Hey, good morning. And this is pretty exciting because I think you were on our very second podcast. Did you know that? I didn't know it was the second. Here, I thought you were experienced when I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I'm glad to be part uh, of it. And only the second one to come back twice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're in, you, you. you are in an exclusive club right now. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Thank you. I never said hi to you either, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Randy. How are you doing today? I'm good today. Good, good. Yeah. And how are you all feeling about the... Uh, the lack of sunshine. How's your perspective on that? Oh my goodness, I can't even go there. I mean, it <laughs> it's is a little dreary. A little. It is so dreary. Uh, but uh, I yeah. just wanted to point out, and I mentioned this earlier, that today it is 50 degrees warmer than it was at this time last year. Thank so you. So I was I was doing on Facebook. I'm doing 31 days of gratitude, and and mm-hmm. when it's really cloudy and dreary out, sometimes that's been a challenge this month. So I was driving down the road the other day. I was telling Ron, and I'm looking at this gray sky, going, "What can I be grateful for?" And I went, <laughs> "You know, not everybody gets to see the gray sky. Not yeah. everybody has experienced that. Most people, all they see is blue. We get to see different <laughs> colors." My, you're creative. That's good. (laughs) Well, then I'll add to that, too. What I've been grateful for is that so we're still we're in that cold and gray time of the year. But uh, since the sun rises a little bit later this time of year, Mm -hmm. I've been, um, you know, just working on some new things for the year. And and I've been waking up 5, 530 and journaling to start the day. So I'll sit on the couch, cuddle up with the dogs. It's still dark outside. I don't feel like I need to get racing on the Mm -hmm. start of the day and write down my priorities for the day. What have I been excited about? What are we doing at work? And um, so I'm very grateful for that. So maybe the gray and dark weather is fantastic. It is. See, Ron took this amazing picture of IBM and the sky matched the snow. Mm -hmm. And then there was a red fire hydrant. I mean, it was just an amazing picture, and you never would have gotten that if we'd had blue, blue sky. sky. Mm-hmm. It had to be what it was. So We just need one day break uh, <laughs> and see blue sky. Yeah, and I will say, um, in part of my travels, uh, we were, I think it was in Kansas City, and the sky came out, the sun came out, the skies brightened, mm-hmm. and all of us went, <gasps> yeah. you know, like we haven't seen this for right. so long. It was kind of a funny reaction. We all had the same reaction. The moment of enlightenment. Uh, and so we'll get there. how much appreciation mm-hmm. we'll have for that sun when it does peak. Yes. That's true. That's right. We earn spring around here. We do. So uh, let's just jump right in. To okay. Discussion with our guest. You know, we're uh, going to keep it a little bit tighter this time around. And in the update from the real estate market compared to two weeks ago. What do you, do? you know, we're, we are the same. You know, we have 166 houses for sale right now, and there's only a, a smidgen of those that are under 300. So, you know, I think maybe the next podcast or so we'll dive into some really what's happening in the market because it's very difficult in Rochester to to take a look at it as a whole. You kind of have to pull it down in pieces and say what's happening at different price points. Yeah. You know, we've had a couple of experiences this week with new construction and expectations there, what your money will buy. Um, had a buyer come in and say, I need to be in a specific school district, and I only have 260000 to spend. 
uh, set him up on a search, he had one house to choose from today. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a really interesting market, and, and I think we could probably spend a, a great deal of time talking about it. But uh, the, the biggest thing to understand is you can't just, it's not a one-size-fits-all, like many things in life, but you can't just say the Rochester yeah. market is this or it is that. So, so Ron, it makes me curious in listening to you, um, the, the 200 homes or mm-hmm. the number that you said, um, of homes over 300,000, where are those people going that we have the larger, more expensive homes free? Are they staying in Rochester and moving to condominiums and apartments? Have they left the community? What's happening that that's the... You know, that's, that's, that's a great question. If you were, if you needed to buy and, and you can't spend more than 260, mm-hmm. which defines a large population here, yes. um, you either stay where you're at, whether you're renting or buying, uh, and you really almost have to drive, I'm going to say, 20 minutes to find an appreciable difference. Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure in the gas, the ga- gas mm-hmm. cost and all those types of things. So it's, it's a real challenge. So if you are in a small home and, and have outgrown it or need to move uh, and you're under 300, um, I don't, I, I don't, they don't have a clear choice of which is to where to go. But if but, that many homes are opening up above 300, and there isn't a market for that. Where are those people going, and who's, you know, where's the market for? Well, the there still is. There still yeah. is a market. Um, it is just a very different market. You know, when you look at. Uh, if I'm a young person over three hundred thousand, I'm not a young person. But if I was, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's like that's not me. And yeah, surprisingly, we have we have a number uh, of buyers in almost all price points. Our our. Mm-hmm. The pool changes of buyers, but you know, until you reach uh, almost six hundred thousand, there are uh, pro- professional couples and even singles, or you know, different family dynamics that can buy in that pool, which is why we're still building and why we're still you know in that market. But it is when you hear that housing is very tight and non-existent, it really is in our lower price ranges. But what makes our economy so healthy on all all venues is that almost in all price ranges, unless you're going to spend over a million, no. You're talking about my <laughs> lifetime income, and I'm right. not even sure I can even get there in my you know, lifetime unless you're, income. Unless you're talking about something above, you know, six or seven hundred, we have we have the buyers to sustain our market, and, and the market mm-hmm. time is good. And we don't have buyers who can't get into houses. Right. Um, sometimes I think when, when you're saying it's a totally different market, it's the expectations. Under, under say, 250, you have to work very quickly and you're usually in multiples, but we find houses for yes. them. So we do, I don't have a homeless buyer yet. Right. I, it's just not there. Right. But we not also- Not as much choice maybe? They, they have to change their expectations, mm-hmm. absolutely. What, what they think their money is going to buy, it, it probably doesn't. And so, you know, but then when you talk about up and above, then that it looks different, and that's not what the media talks about. There is a, what Ron is calling a different market that is a different pace, has different expectations, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's where the two markets play together, I yeah. think. They're and very here's different. an outrageous statement and maybe a challenge, but here's what we know as well. In that price range under 300, you have to buy, I'm going to say, and I'm going to put an absolute out there, you have to buy an existing home. Right. Builders are not able and are or are not they're not building anything brand new that you're going to get for under 250 and more than likely 
if you're going to get something built brand new, it's over $400,000. Well, actually, um, let me be specific because right now there's 59 of our 166 that are new construction that are for sale. The average price of those is $539,000. Now, you've got a couple choices in, in the 200, 300, but you're not going to really get many choices until you're four plus. Right. So I, and I will say that I have sold one brand new house that was about 250, yeah. but it was a smaller split, unfinished basement. And yeah. that's, that's what you're going to be getting into with that price range. Yeah. And that's where the expectations change. Yeah. Yeah. You and want all the new things. Yeah. And it's why so many of us stay in our homes that have four yes. bedrooms mm -hmm. that we only need one because there's nothing really out there right. that is appealing price-wise. Uh, for a retiree, so we just stay in the home. That would be a wonderful, um, absolutely home for a family with children. Yeah, because if you were to, if we were to leave our home in our life stage, we would be spending as much or more than right. our current home. But I also, I, I don't think that that's wrong. I know that there's a movement out there that says um, the reason we have this crisis. Um, is what they call it, is because the baby boomers aren't moving out of their houses. And in my mind, I go, two things. One is, when have the baby boomers ever done what you expected them to do? <laughs> Not. And also, you know, they have paid their dues. They've lived there. They've paid for that house. It is their home. They have memories there. And we encourage people to stay in their home as long as they can because I think it's a healthier, healthier for your mind, healthier for your body. Um, so I, I am not of the bent that says the answer is to make all these baby boomers try and conform to our expectations. I think the baby boomers did pay for those homes and they should be able to stay there as long as they're physically able. And we have to come up with a different idea of how to fix affordable housing. That was close to a soapbox yeah. there. It was, but no. But, but is it so horrible to reap the value of the investment you made when you're younger and then be able to spend it and, and get a more affordable, more reasonably priced, smaller home so that you can spend it. And that's what's not happening. If I sell my home, I spend the same amount for a much smaller property. Right. And that's the frustration. Yeah. I think some of us, you know, and I hear from other people, oh, I'd love to travel, and but I can't find, if I sell my home, I, I end up spending the same amount in its replacement. That is true. Right. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. That the investment that you've made over your lifetime looks different than you yes. would have expected. Yes. Yes. Right. And what you say, I 100% agree with too. And the problem with it is, is that when we say, well, what can other people do? Can they move so that it benefits the market is a very inward looking and improper way to go about it. We need to find a way out of this Right. That is not dependent on forcing people to make a decision. Well, I will tell you, I saw or heard a very interesting discussion at one of the conferences I was at about college students moving in with seniors who have chosen to stay in their home, have two or three mm -hmm. empty bedrooms, and the college student lives with that older person, maybe um, for a very small uh, monthly fee, and then agrees to shovel the walk for them. Right. Agrees mm -hmm. to go out and get the mail when it's snowy. Um, so it's a, it's a, you know, I'll you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours kind yeah. of arrangement, but it allows the older person to stay in their home a little bit longer with a little bit of eyes on them 
and assistance. Um, so I thought it was kind of an interesting it's concept. It's a great partnership. Yeah. And yeah. Winona, they're doing something like that at Winona State, cooperative uh, it's, living. It's slightly different, but yes. Yeah. Yes. The problem Same with concept. Winona State, though, is it costs those college students almost as much to stay in the home. Oh, does it really? As it does to stay that. in the dorms. So yeah. if they made it more affordable, mm-hmm. right. I think students would be a lot more interested in mm-hmm. how can I do this and save money. Mm-hmm. Because we had years ago, a, a, a young lady from Poland lived with us, and she stayed in a home over in Mankato. The same thing, and assisted them as they were aging while she was going to college. We should probably get to we should. I was going to say, I was <laughs> just a heads up, you know, we're at about uh, 13 minutes right now, and we were just going to gloss over the market in a couple minutes, but that was a fantastic discussion. Yeah, I it is, there's, good it is so interesting to, to talk about. We could spend hours, but um, anyway... Kim, thank you for coming. Oh, I really appreciate pleasure. you being thank here. You. you know, we, we tried to find some different things to talk about because you probably get asked a lot of the same questions. Over and over. I mean, you've been a year in office. Hard um, to believe. But uh, tell us a bit about your travel. Um, you have been out traveling. What are you learning? What are you, what's, um, what are you seeing out there that, that you think that is going to benefit our community? Yeah, I'm still learning the rhythm of being mayor, but it does appear that about two months out of the year are more travel months. Um, Part of that is because of a lot of the associations that um, function like the U.S. Conference of Mayors or the National League of Cities, that their function is to educate and inform uh, city councils and mayors, have their conferences around the same time. And um, other groups butt up their conferences to the major conference. So, mm-hmm. well, as long as you're in town, then just stay one extra day. And, and so I took advantage of that. Um, January is the U.S. Conference of Mayors Winter Conference in Washington, D.C. Um, so I just got back from that. Um, so much information. I came home and set up meetings almost immediately <laughs> with our police chief. And I have um, we're going to do a training and a meeting with our emergency management because one of the, in fact, it was the very last panel of the last day of the conference was of all the mayors um, who were from cities that had had mass shootings. And oh, how did they cope? Oh, wow. It was fascinating. There were like, unfortunately, a dozen of them or more. more. Um, how did they cope with, how did they handle, not even cope with, how did they handle the emergency in real time? What, what could they, what did they learn what mistakes did they make that I don't need to make if it would ever happen here? And it may not be a shooting. It may be a flood or an airplane that would go down or, a, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what an, kind of an emergency, whether it would be a natural disaster or a man-made one. How do I react to that? Where do I go? Where do, so uh, we do have an emergency management uh, director, Ken Jones, in the city who helps. Um, uh, in my year, it's been mostly with weather-related incidents, flooding, potential floodings. There's only been one time where we've had a, a call. Um, but where do I go? And can I share information that I learned from these dozen or so mayors that will help us do a better job? So um, I've already started the ball rolling um, with not only educating me. And, and the first call I made, they said, oh, I, I talked to the board president. Uh, we did a training about three years ago. I said, well, <laughs> I wasn't here three years ago. And as the spokesperson for the city, um, I probably need to know that information too. And we have two new city council members as well as new employees. Yeah. And so it's time to do it again. And so we are going to have a training uh, next week as a start. And the dynamics of our society continues to change. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, the, the lessons learned, that's part of the, the beauty of going to conferences like this is hearing from other people who have had good and bad experiences and letting them share with me 
Um, plus, I, I find mentors there. Um, if there's an issue I'm struggling with as a, a new mayor or even as an old mayor, a particular issue that's come up, I have, you know, 250 people there that I can that know exactly what I'm going through. And they can say, oh, yeah, when that happened to me, here's what I did. Or I know somebody who had that situation. Let mm-hmm. me introduce you to John over here yeah. or Susie or whatever. So um, it, it was fascinating. So emergency management issues, um, economic development, um, an example of that would be uh, Bill de Blasio from uh, New York City talked about when Uber and Lyft came to New York City, the effect it had on the cab companies, and um, that they had 18 suicides um, of cabbies whose mm-hmm. lives were shattered because of a new technology that many of us use and mm-hmm. think is great. It's you know easier or whatever you know less expensive, more reliable, whatever you want to say. Um, it had a profound effect on people's lives. Right. And we don't often think about that. We think about it in the abstract or we think about disruptive technologies uh, in one way, but we forget that there's a really, uh, there really is a human impact that as a society, as a government, how are we going to respond to? A- a- or should we? Some people would say we shouldn't. Um, others, and that was part of the talk of the conference, is do we have a responsibility to those people? Mm-hmm. And what is it? And how, how, you know, how big of a responsibility is a policy? Is it financial? A lot of really interesting discussions that, frankly, um, I, I may not have and, and uh, have had. And autonomous vehicles, um, we are in the city of Rochester going to be having a pilot that will be for one year starting this early, mm. late spring or early summer. I'm excited um, about that. Yeah, of um, a vehicle that will, a little shuttle that will run around um, the community. But then as we move toward, you know, forward with that type of technology, how is that going to impact yeah. the industry of people who were the human service providers of that in the past? Right. And, and, what, and what, what are we going to do about that? So when you come back from a conference and you have these great ideas and you're excited about it, are, are you, is it pretty well received here? I mean, do, do, do people jump on with that excitement or... It's probably mixed. It's mixed. Um, I think they do a pretty good job targeting uh, things that you can actually do something about or you can come home. Emergency management, um, the chief of police, Jim Franklin, and Ken Jones, our emergency management, were Johnny on the spot. Where mm-hmm. I'm ready to help you. What do you need? Let's get a training going. We have that information, and I'm more sorry we haven't shared it with you yet. You know, didn't think about it. it's been three years and we have new people. So people have been really receptive to that. There are other ideas. Um, uh, as you know, there are vendors at, at every conference. Mm-hmm. That some of the vendors have something that seems interesting. You try to bring that home and you just get blank stares like, we have something good enough. We don't need to do yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. so sometimes, yes, it happens that you have a great, you know, you're really enthusiastic about something and you get a blank stare. Other times, um, you know, very responsive. Um, but for me, just having the, the support to run ideas by, do you have this situation? What did you do? Can I talk to you about that? That's that's helpful as well. Nice. I mean, there, are, there really aren't that many mayors in this country of towns, you know, cities, not towns, cities, over thirty or 50,000. Um, it's less than 2,000. And, and you forget about that. I'm yeah. one of only, you know, 1,800 people in the country that mm-hmm. have experienced this, you know, currently, that are experiencing certainly more um, past mayors. But. So travel, are we, are you going to Japan? I'm looking into that. So we have a sister city, Akita, in Japan. We have five sister cities. The city of Rochester does. One of them is Akita, Japan. Um, I was invited by the mayor of Hiroshima to come for the 75th 
anniversary of the bombing, which is in August. And so I am looking at, um, should, should this work out? Should I take him up on that invitation to be with him and the, and, um, the mayor of Nagasaki as well um, to memorialize and, and think about um, mm-hmm. peace and what it means to have a peaceful relationship with Japan and other countries? And at the same time, maybe take advantage of going to Akita, which is our sister city, um, and it's been a number of years since um, we've made contact with them. So um, I'm thinking about it. I mean, there's a cost involved, certainly. But beyond that, just looking at a map, I think of Japan on the map as being small. Right. <laughs> when mm-hmm. you actually go and you, you use MapQuest and you say, how long would it take me to get from Akita to Tokyo, for instance? Um, you know, it's a bullet train for four and a half hours or, oh, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was much long. And then from, to, if I go to Tokyo, and, and just to mention in the middle of all this, the Olympics are going on. So the flights are very expensive mm-hmm. during that time because of the Olympics. And if I'm going to be going through Tokyo, might I want to mm-hmm. experience that as well? If it's right there uh, when you're going through, I don't know if you can even get tickets, but that was a side thought I had. But then you, you go from Tokyo to um Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and that's another hours and hours on a bullet train, or you know you could fly. Quick sidebar. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, Putting you on the spot. What are the sister cities to Rochester? Do you know all five off the top of your head? I can't. It's okay if you don't. No, I know um, uh, Kathmandu, Nepal, um, uh, Moosburg, and I don't think they pronounce it that way in Germany. But we have another one in Germany for our climate, which is Munster, Mm -hmm. Um, Akita, Japan. Um, Then there is a city in in Korea, and there is a city in China. Wow. Uh, And I cannot pronounce those off the top of my head, but oh, I carry right. them with me. And sometimes when I've tried pronouncing them and I'm talking, uh, for instance, uh, recently I was uh, at the U.S. Conference of Mayors and talked to a woman from China that tries to build relationships, you know, between China mm-hmm. and mid- she's specifically talked about Midwest, uh, the Midwest mayors and, and country. Uh, and I was trying to, I was even reading it off my little cheat sheet that I carry with me. And she just kept looking at me with this really <laughs> odd look on her face. And I thought, oh, I'm not doing well. So I actually handed her the sheet of paper and held it up. And she looked at it for a while. And then she just went, aha. Yeah. Um, because I, could, I was saying it totally wrong. So I will not try those two. But we do have sure. um, five official and then the second German one for energy. So there's plenty of opportunity for you to go global. Certainly, if, there if is. And I, and I yeah. believe um, Mayor Brady, during his 16 years, I think went to all of our sister cities. Nice. Um, the, the one to Japan really wasn't on my radar until I got the invitation to go for the peace celebration um, mm-hmm. to Hiroshima. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that is something that I should consider doing. So, uh, and, and the ambassador to Japan, the ambassador, or consulate general, I'm sorry, not the ambassador, the consulate general to Japan for our region, China, and Mexico have all visited my office already this past year. And I just met um, the ambassador from Japan to the United States while I was in DC. He uh, hosted all the mayors in his home. So, um, you know, you build those relationships and it might work and it might not. Well, my vote is still you should go. I mean, it sounds like fun, but. Uh... I'm, I'm sure it would be <laughs> a very educational. And, uh, and, and frankly, we do, we are looking to bring businesses to town. Um, always. Mm-hmm. And a- as mayor, one of the concerns I always have is, are we diversifying our economy? We have wonderful 
healthcare mm-hmm. entity here, and we want it to remain strong and vital. But should we be looking to other industries as well so that we're diverse and more resilient as economically as a community? And uh, one way to do that is to take advantage of some of these opportunities and talk with people. So mm. there you have it. You were asking, Ron, when I stepped on your toes, did you have no. something on your mind? Go. Uh, well, we're wondering about um, when we were talking about your visit, I, I see young girls, young women, and they're, they're rising up in the news. And um, what, what would a young woman or a young girl who has political aspirations, what does that look like? in this day and age for them? Well, I will tell you one of the things that has been shocking to me, not really shocking, but it, it's a little bit, is when I, I, I told you about the, sometimes we butt up one conference to another. There's a group called the Mayor's Innovation Network, the Mayor's Innovation Project um, that I was invited to, and it was the last day of this conference, um, and you stayed an extra half day and you could you know, attend. They had a women mayors networking group and the number of very young women mayors has grown, it, it's exploded in the last several years. Nice. So these are, some of these women are in their 20s. Wow. And I'm talking about big cities. Um, Oakland, California has a very young female mayor running really? Oakland. And Oakland is no mm-hmm. small, right. easy city to run. Um, but they're all over. Uh, uh, a lot of ma- uh, women of color as well. And so we spent a morning together talking about this very thing. You know, what can we do to nurture young girls to understand that, you know, the ceiling is cracked, um, maybe broken. And if this is something that interests you, by all means, you know, and what can I do? I I know one of the things I've been doing is um, we've worked with the Girl Scouts and provided some government training for Girl Scouts. And we um, opened City Hall. I stayed with them. Um, Michonne Rogers, my executive assistant, and I spent a weekend um, all day over at City Hall with this group of 100 Girl Scouts to let them be in the chamber and talk about government and do a Q&A, and, and I shared a little bit about my role. So that's one thing. I meet with the Boy Scouts, too. That's coming up soon, actually. But the girls in particular are very interested. Um, and so, I, you know, what I can do is encourage them and say it's possible. It took me a long time. I'm not a young woman like some of these other mayors, but there are some very young mayors and city council members. So do you consider yourself a role model for that? I think I have to. It was, you know, I won't say I got into it reluctantly because I, I embraced it, but it wasn't, I guess it was a little less, I didn't expect it. I probably should have. Um, but it's an honor to be able to be a role model to young girls. Yeah. So Always. Yeah. Always. So, and you are too. I mean, I think women in the workforce uh, it's happening. It's happened over the last years, and we forget how really this is our culture has changed dramatically in the last 30 or 40 years. Dramatically. And you, yes. as a professional woman in business, also are a role model. Uh, and, and again, I hope you don't forget that either. I think we all need to be really aware of we have the country has changed and we have changed with it and and people young children are looking at us all of us so are there organizations i i'm remembering that uh ronald reagan ronald and nancy reagan they left their ranch to um young politics um to encourage people to young people 
to, to become. Are there other organizations, are there other um, places that young people even, but young women in specifically can go? If someone was listening to this, what would they do? Where, what, how would they get involved? So in Rochester, um, we have had some trailblazers. Um, Sheila Cascaden is one of them. And so Sheila and myself and some of the other female elected officials have been working on um, kind of her brainchild, which uh, spun off of some groups that are in the cities, actually, but it's our own now, called More Women on the Move. And so we, our whole purpose is to train people to work on campaigns, to train people to run for office. And, you know, there's, it's been free or sometimes we ask for like $10 to help with food if we provide a lunch or something. Very inexpensive. And everyone's welcome. Um, so we're doing that locally. But there are groups. Women Winning is a group. Emily's List is a group for um, liberal leaning. There's a, I don't know the name of the one for more conservative leaning women. There are national groups. Those are national. Um, women Winning is uh, specific to Minnesota. And I'm, it, I, I tell you, going up to their luncheon every year and having over a thousand women sitting in that room, and some good men too, uh, in that room to help support women uh, in offices, really, uh, uh, it's a meaningful event. Every year I go, I'm just astounded by the support in Minnesota. We're, a, you know, we're a pretty progressive state that way. So, what about other opportunities within the city of Rochester, within um, you know some of the civic service? Mm -hmm. So volunteer on certain boards. Yep. Do you, I mean, any openings off the top of your head that I can think of or we, that you can think we've of? We've just filled um, this year's openings in boards and commissions. Um, there will be other opportunities throughout the year. And, and on the city's website is a very easy place to go and say, I, you know, click on boards and commissions and put an application in. And then when another opening comes, I can go right in there and I can look. Um, I found, uh, you know, having 30 or 40 people apply for one board, I can't interview them all, but I do scan through all the applications and choose a handful to interview. Um, but I keep that list um, going and frequent, you know, go, I go to it frequently and I keep it updated. So, uh, and your name stays, stays on that list for a year. So I think boards and commissions, we also, um, there's two other things I would mention here that are um, beyond just uh, girls. But we have a youth commission in town, and that's a, a city and county jointly uh, supported organization. And so that's for junior high and high school uh, youth. Uh, so that's a possibility for youth to get involved. And then I have a, um, we're, because we have very little staff in the mayor's office and we have a lot of work to do, um, I'm doing, uh, I'm taking some interns. So I have an intern from WSU who is helping me and um, two past men mentees of mine from the Capitol, um, the three of them, um, they all happen to be men, which is just, I, I had the same amount of girls and boys, if you will, uh, mentees over the years, but these are the two last ones I had, so they're the youngest of the group. Um, some of the rest of them are all lawyers. I don't know what happened. <laughs> um, and they are helping me form a, a, what I hope will be a, a mayor's youth council uh, and then form a youth summit that we'll have this spring. And I, what I want that to be is an opportunity, probably at the Civic Center, uh, to and they have to org they have to plan it. I'll get them a place and I'll get them tables and I'll get them. But they need to plan this and they need to tell us what they want out of city government. What are they looking for in a community? Um, I will ask them to help me provide um, input on certain issues, um, but this is going to be their event. So that's just getting underway. They're looking at a date um, in April or May for that. And then it'll be open to everyone in the city. 
everyone so even young, like say high schoolers? Mm-hmm. We're gonna I'm, I'm actually because the youth commission is primarily high school. We're also bringing in uh, University of Minnesota Rochester, Winona State University, obviously because that's where my intern Ben is from. Uh, RCTC, and then the government uh, at all the high schools. We're gonna reach out to each of the uh, government groups and student councils and say, come be part of this and help plan it. It's a one, one-shot event that they have to plan, but I'm hoping some of them will stay on as part of more of an informal uh, mayor's youth. I don't know what we're going to call it yet. I group. was pretty surprised to see that. My 16-year-old is really active in politics, and he's able to help out a campaign for mm-hmm. state. Yeah. So he's going to be working with a campaign. As a 16-year-old, I'm a little unclear what he's able to do, but he also just got this big packet of information where he's going to be able to do some work in the Absolutely. realm of politics. Absolutely. So he's able to drive himself there. He can, mm-hmm. I don't know if he can necessarily work as an election judge. Uh, but you might have to be 18, but they often will find a role Yeah. Uh, for people, you know, caucus nights and, and some of that. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, we definitely need that. The other thing that might be of interest to youth uh, and again, there might be some age uh, requirements here, but we have the census coming up, which is mm-hmm. very, very important for this state mm-hmm. and our community to make sure we get proper representation. And if our count, if we are undercounted, it will hurt us financially and it will hurt us in representation. And so I know there will be a lot of work um, beginning probably spring, um, in the spring, to get a, uh, an appropriate census count. So there may be ways for youth to get involved there as well. And I know our youth, our youth commission will be involved in that. But no, I think it's wonderful if you've got, you know, and, and, and all of our kids interested in can pick a candidate. They can choose a party if they're, you know, so inclined and reach out and, and their skills will be utilized. Yeah. So who through the years, um, thinking of your own life, we'll go to something just a bit more personal here. Who has been a role model to you? Who's been a mentor? Who's inspired you? How have you... How have you morphed because of that that person's influence? So as a young child, I did a lot of reading. Um, I was at the library a lot, and I read about, and it's kind of odd because it's the wife of a president. Abigail Adams was someone I spent a lot of time reading about, a very strong woman in her own right, even though um, you know literacy and opportunity weren't afforded women. Uh, quite as much back then, but so I read a lot about her, and and uh, I I read a lot of biographies as uh, a young child. So as I grew up, it was my mother and my grandmother that were my personal influences. My mother was a very strong woman, but dropped out of college to have a family, uh, and and my grandmother uh, didn't go to college at all. She was a dancer, but um, she taught me a lot about how to care for people mm. and unconditional love, no matter what. Mm. So between those two. And I had another grandmother who actually was not a warm and fuzzy person at all, but she was the vice chair of the Republican Party in this, for the state of Nebraska and was a national delegate to two conventions. I didn't know any of this till after she died. Um, but so some of, you know, what I've become may, may have been under there in the genes somewhere. Um, <laughs> and I just never knew it, honestly. Um, but they were, they're three very strong women with three very different personalities. Um, and, and the grandmother was interested in politics, actually had a bachelor's and master's and all but her dissertation um, because her father was a college professor. So even though she was way ahead of her time, it was because her father was an academic. Um, so I have this these realm, you know, this realm of women uh, with different skills. As I came to Rochester and 
got involved in politics, it was it was seeing strong women in this community, uh, Nancy Braddis for one, Sheila Cascaden for another, um, many school board members, uh, Kay Batchelder, Carol Carrier, Karen Hamill, those were the women, and, I, and, and, and ironically, it was men that I helped get elected to the school board. I worked on several school board campaigns, um, Reverend Jim Price, who just died this week, and, and, uh, and you know, that's a, a, a sad thing. He taught me a lot. Um, Bob Magerlein, when he ran uh, for his one term, I worked on his campaign. Um, but all of those experiences and watching those strong women helped me realize that I could do it. Um, Sheila Cascaden and other women I've met since up at the Capitol, like um, Speaker Margaret Anderson Kelleher, Patty Simmons at Mayo Clinic, um, these really strong women that are so smart. Um, I've learned a little bit from many, many women, and I'm, you know, as I mentioned, Carol Carey and some of the others, uh, they've all influenced me, and, you know, I still have a lot to learn as a leader, but uh, we all do, you know, we, every day is about learning and, mm-hmm. and improving, uh, but it was those women that taught me, you know, the stick to the persistence, you know, don't let your voice get swallowed. I think some people wish my voice would get swallowed maybe more than it does, but, you know, to, to really be out there. the nature so, of politics. Yeah, so it's yeah. not one person. And I always thought of myself as I'm not someone who had heroes. Um, but as I look back, I probably did. Um, I just don't, I don't put people on a pedestal very easily. Um, but I learned from them nonetheless. So. You know, one of my favorite things when I'm talking to women about about friendships and about mentoring, being mentored is, you know, people pass through our lives and they come some for just a moment Mm -hmm. and some for a season and some for a lifetime. And it sounds like you have taken all of that, just a piece here and a piece there, and you've grown from it. And that's really important. It's a gift that not everybody can do. You know, they can't glean the good Mm -hmm. from something and then keep moving forward and have it become a part of your of your toolbox. Well, and I grew up in, I was the oldest um, of four children, and I had three younger brothers. So besides my mother and my grandmothers, I didn't have sisters, and I didn't have a lot of um, close girl friends until I became older. And now I have a group of people that have helped me with my campaign, people I've met over the last 20 years that I adore and are so helpful to me on an everyday basis. And I won't name names because there's so many that I've learned, but but it wasn't natural for me because I grew up in this male-dominated environment at home except for those, those women who I, I hung on to, but every day was about golf and football and baseball and, you know, <laughs> on and on and on. My dad was a referee. We talked sports in our house all the time. And so um, forming those female relationships, I think, was a little harder for me um, at when I was young. And I'm probably my personality as well. But as an older person, they've become very important to me, yeah. very important. Yeah. Well, we need to make sure that we get you to your next appointment. Not literally. We won't be driving you there. But, you won't? Um, we, <laughs> I would love a chauffeur. What are you talking about? Uh, but I think we have time for one final question, and uh, we'll close things up. Yeah, we do. And, and this is going to be a tough one for you if you've already read your notes. You. What do you do in your downtime? First downtime. of all, you, I you said do, downtime. I get downtime. You do deserve downtime. You've got to have downtime. First, I have to know I have it, right? So, you know, what do you do in your downtime? So I, after a year of as mayor, I finally took a vacation with my husband. Um, that was, I've, I realize now how important that was. We just desperately needed to spend time together because I'm gone so much and I'm running so much. So reconnecting with him was huge for us. And I feel like I'm grounded again. And I really needed that. Um, You know, I read sometimes, sometimes, you know, I'm too tired at night to read. 
Um, this week, my days have been 13, 14 hours days. And then when I come home, I, I just vegetate. I mean, I yeah. really can't right. connect. So this, you know, after learning this lesson of needing to reconnect more uh, with my husband and with my family, um, that's, I don't do New Year's resolutions, but that's, if I, if I had one, that's what I'm going to be working on this year is making sure I ground myself again. If I'm too hired that day, it's going to be on the weekend, but it's, it's just got to keep happening. And, and we've had this conversation before, but it, it is so important. I mean, to find a way to have some downtime mm-hmm. to recharge, because if you don't recharge, right. Lynn and I talk about this a lot, yep, you know, right. you, your batteries will become weaker and weaker. And you have nothing yep. to give. If you, if you don't spend right. the time to just refuel your own soul, you become ineffective in everything you do because you have nothing left to give. You have given it all. And I, uh, you know, I do have four children and a stepson, so five up, five others besides my husband. My dad's still alive. My in-laws are still alive. We have that, uh, those relationships we need to maintain too. And I do feel like sometimes I get so, uh, I've sp- expended all my energy and I don't have enough for the, those mm-hmm. people. And I, I say, well, they're family, they'll understand. But really, I'm, I'm shorting the people that I love the most. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't love my community, I do, but I can't, I can't expend all my energy and not have any left for family. And so think, that's been the lesson. And I I've think learned. we're all guilty of that. I mean, that's why I asked the question. I think we are mm-hmm. all guilty of digging into what, you know, what we're doing. And, 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 and so it's, that's more downtime's key. Yeah. And at the Capitol, I learned kind of oddly through a friend that I really need to be outside and kayaking was that place I, mm-hmm. that, that regeneration was occurring when I was out in my kayak. And honestly, the last couple of years, I've not gotten it out. And that has to change, too, because when yeah. the weather turns and I get outside, it is like you are one with the earth in a, in a, on a kayak. Um, and and that was really, really good for me. And I've let that slip away. And biking more, too. And again, my bike had a flat tire. It never got fixed. And I didn't get out on it like I would like to, because those experiences are are helpful to me too. So and we do have one month of the year that our water is liquid, right? <laughs> more. Do we? Even more than that. When oh is my it coming? Goodness. It's just around the corner. Uh, you know what is amazing, I'm sure, about getting out in the kayak too is you can get to places that not only people don't normally see, oh, absolutely. but where your cell phone doesn't work. So mm-hmm. there's even more reason to get out there. You just mm-hmm. you, we deserve to be away from a signal. We do. Every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. All of us. All of us. All of us No do. matter what. Right. Yep. Kim Norton, mayor of Rochester, Minnesota, beautiful city that we love and adore. Thank you very much. Absolutely. We're so here. grateful you. for your time. Thank oh, you. Yes. Happy to be here. Thank you. And if you would like to reach out to us, if you have ideas for a podcast, our email address is info at whitemanbrock.com. Or reach out if you want to buy a house. Absolutely. We're anytime. happy to help you. Anytime. That is our industry. Have a great day.